Hello, this is Michael Rubino, and today we'll be mapping air quality on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Michael Rubino. Michael Rubino is a mold and air quality expert, author of The Mold Medic, an expert's guide on mold removal, and founder of Home Cleanse, a revolutionary company with the vision to end the worldwide health epidemic caused by poor air quality and toxic indoor environments. Michael is a council-certified mold remediator by IICRC and ACAC and a contributing member, sponsor, and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. I really appreciated this conversation, and it's a reminder to get outside no matter the weather. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, I don't often ask this question, but in this case, I'm kind of curious. Why air quality? What got you so interested in air quality? So what's interesting is my dad's been a restoration contractor since I'm five. So I've been around construction and, you know, contributors to poor air quality my whole life. But it was really after Hurricane Sandy happened in the Northeast where I started noticing a pattern of people getting sick because of poor air quality. And that's what really sparked this whole interest and this whole journey that led me to where I am today. It's really interesting. Before we hit record, you said, wow, the matrix, air quality impacts everything on the matrix. And when you say you were seeing more people getting sick, what were you seeing in relation to air quality? Well, I mean, you know, looking at this matrix right now, I can tell you people's mind, spirit, emotions were affected. People were complaining of hormonal disruption. They were having trouble methylating and detoxing. They were dealing with oxidative stress, energy production, dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, they had inflammatory markers. Their immune response was not well. They were getting sick more often, dealing with gut issues and gastrointestinal issues. And of course, you know, a lot of what we were finding, which is really interesting, was there was things going on in their environment that were, you know, I'm not going to say cause, but potentially exacerbate or definitely inhibiting their ability to heal. When we say air quality, what does that mean? Because I know in the episode that we'll link to the show notes where we talk about Epstein-Barr virus, she definitely spoke about the impacts of the fires that were happening in the Pacific Northwest at that time being a trigger for people's symptoms. So is that part of what we're thinking about with air quality? What does it encompass? 
Totally. I think the simple answer is, you know, when our air has an abundance of particles, and it could be many different things like viruses, VOCs, bacteria, mold, formaldehyde, when it has too many particles that are impacting and getting into the body with every breath that we take, which we take, by the way, about 7.3 million breaths per year, there's a lot of opportunity for things to enter our body that can be disruptive. It's so fascinating because when we take a real functional approach and we're looking for those roots, right? For me, of course, environment is part of our circle of influence. It's part of what we should be looking at, but it can really be overlooked in many cases. Is, is that something you found in talking to practitioners and doing the work you do? Absolutely. I think it's usually the last thing on people's lists if it's on the list at all. And when you really trace things back, it gets very interesting. So according to the uh, Cleveland Clinic, the three main contributors to disease is fungi, bacteria, and viruses. And so those are all environmental factors, right? We know we have viruses, bacteria, and most likely mold inside of our bodies pretty much all the time. But it's really interesting, like how did they get in the body? It's the chicken or the egg theory here. And it's typically the environment, what we're being exposed to. And all it takes is to have an abundance of these things inside of our bodies that our body is not able to reduce uh, or remove as quickly as we'd like. And this can overtake our immune system and cause these types of things to happen. So it's just fascinating to me because for me, I'm always like, everyone look at their environment and you know, do the work necessary to create as healthy of an environment as you possibly can. And I think that for so many folks who are dealing with illness or disease, they're just not being looked at in that direction. And when you say that, Michael, I mean, it makes me think about resilience, right? Like we're exposed to these things, they're happening inside, they're happening outside, then there's that tipping point where we can't actually regulate any longer. Has this changed over time? Have we seen a drastic change in our air quality throughout history, but particularly in more recent history? Well, what's really interesting about what that is, when you look at even in the Bible under Leviticus, on the Old Testament, there's a whole passage about fungi, where essentially there was mold inside of these homes, and they were primarily made of stone back then. And what they would do is they would clean it, and then they would have a priest come in and bless it. And if it came back, essentially they would tear down the entire stone building and carry all those stones a mile away so that it didn't contaminate the other homes. And so I think when we look back at history, which we tend to forget a bit, we find out that our environment has kind of always been a part of the problem and it's gotten lost through time. Now we fast forward to today, well, in the 1970s, really, we started going on this energy efficiency kick. And what that means is essentially that we're building homes that are tighter, better insulated, you know, trying to prevent heat or cold transfer from inside to outside. And that's good stuff, right? But there's always consequences to anything you do in life. And for this consequence, it's we're now breathing in a more limited quantity of air. And so the more particulate or toxins that you have inside of your air, you're going to be breathing in an abundance of those things due to the fact that it's not as diluted as if you were outside. And so when you take those things into consideration of how we've you know kind of been traveling down that path over the last 50 years, it's no wonder to see that more and more people seem to be impacted by their environment than ever before. 
That's really fascinating to think about. And, you know, as you said, everything we do as a consequence, I think about this as risk reward, right? Like how do we weigh that for each of us individually? When we think about the particulates that are in the air and our homes. And I know we can speak about sorts of remediation, but are there things we should be asking our clients and patients to pay attention to or to look for or to clean filters or use certain kinds of filters? Are there things we could be looking at that help us to, on an everyday level, do the remediation? Absolutely. What it really comes down to is shifting the way we think. There needs to be a paradigm shift. For so many people, they think, if I want to check my air quality, I test my air. It almost makes sense. The problem is that it's not practical because air testing is really only picking up things within a certain radius, usually about a three-foot radius. And also, given that fact, we also have to understand that most of the technologies are there to test isolated particles that are very small. And so, once these particles like mold or bacteria have started to settle within the dust, the dust is too big to fit inside these cassettes that they test air quality with or these devices they test air quality with. And so what that ends up doing is you end up missing a big picture of what's actually going on. And so we want to start by screening and dust is going to become like public enemy number one in regards to air quality. If you've ever sat on a couch on a sunny day in front of a window and you saw that ray of light peek through, and you saw all those particles floating in the air, right? That's our dust. But what's in our dust is usually the type of stuff that makes us sick. And that could be mold, it could be bacteria, could be toxins, chemicals, etc. And so what we want to start doing is we want to start looking at our dust to see if there's any organisms that are inside of our homes producing these particles or toxins. And then two, we want to make sure that we have a clean environment. And I think when we start doing that, we start understanding that, and we start looking at better HVAC filtration, better cleaning methodologies, we're going to easily create healthier environments. So we're going to have that paradigm shift to creating a healthy environment as part of our health picture. I really appreciate that. I mean, it's equivalent to how I look at health in general, right? Like how do we reframe or shift our perspective, look through a different paradigm because we're often trying to do what I call dress the branch or the dysfunction as opposed to the terrain in which the dysfunction exists. And this air quality is part of the terrain. When you talk about better cleaning methods for supporting our air quality. What does that mean? Well, this takes me back to being like, I don't know, 12 years old, living with my parents and my mom telling me things like, you know, Michael, uh, you said you clean the floors for me, but I noticed you used the same bucket of water right? And uh, this is for mopping the floors and, you know, learning through that aspect that, you know, if you're not constantly changing the water when you're mopping the floors, what happens? You end up just swishing dirt and dust around. And so the other thing is a lot of like the dry mopping technologies, we have to remember like Swiffers, you know, for example, we may be aerosolizing some of the particles while we're removing some. So knowing that what we want to do is we want to use like a botanical product, you know, to spray down something to get it wet first so that it's 
less likely to aerosolize as you're cleaning and then clean. And microfiber towels, I'm going to sound like a microfiber towel salesman for a minute, but <laughs> they're, they're a hundred times more effective at actually removing particulate than like a paper towel or terry cloth because the way it's designed, it has these grooves that are going to capture these particles. So if we switch our mindset to how we're cleaning and making sure we're more thorough, another little tip is, you know, I don't consider something clean until I wipe it down look at the rag and the rag has no residue, right? If it has residue, that means we got to probably flip the towel over, wipe it down one more time and making sure that there is no residue because that's really how clean we want things to be. I'm not saying we have to go crazy spring cleaning every week, but uh, we do have to have a more regimented regimen here because we want to make sure that we're removing as much dust as we can every time we clean and being thorough because it's really what's in our dust that's opportunistically getting inside our body that kind of causes the problems. Really just fascinating to think about in terms of where these particulates are coming from and where we might have exposure and how we can deal with them. Is there a room in the house that is particularly impacting us, whether it's the laundry room or the kitchen or the bathroom that has more of the mold or the other particulates that we're being exposed to? Well, yeah. So we have to remember that water is kind of Earth's life source here. <laughs> right. um, nothing can survive without water. And so it's true of mold or bacteria, viruses, et cetera. And so anywhere that is prone to moisture or water, those are typically one of the first places to look. So your kitchens, your bathrooms, not to forget our HVAC systems too, because they're kind of the lungs of the home and they have what's called a coil that constantly condensates. And so it's a very easy environment for mold or bacteria to start to thrive inside that coil and then kind of spread throughout the uh, different rooms of our home. Finally, attics, basements, crawl spaces. These are large surface areas. They're prone to roof leaks or you know leaks from being underground. And so without having some sort of moisture controls in place, it's very easy for those places to become full of mold and bacteria which can become pretty problematic and inhibit our health goals. I'm thinking a lot about how we don't necessarily ask our clients and patients about their home environments when we're doing our intakes and when we're speaking to them about their health goals and their challenges. And I'm wondering if there are particular questions that you think we as practitioners should be asking that we're not asking to start to open up that conversation? Well, what would be really interesting is if we looked at this from the perspective of, you know, ruling out the home environment as any possibility or contributor to what's going on. And like if everybody did a health screen, right, screening their body and doing the, the tests that people typically do, but then also doing a health screen of the home with like the dust test, for example, right? And just testing the dust and seeing what's in it. And if anything might potentially correlate to anything that they're going through would be very interesting to see. Because for me, on my side of things, I usually see things that are not great in their environment. And then when that data is presented to their doctor, their doctor's like, holy cow, this makes so much sense, right? So I think that would be highly interesting for me to see for that tied to term that way. But as far as questions, I think some of the easier things to do are, 
you know, have you had any leaks recently or, you know, around the time you started not feeling well, did you change environments at all? You know, the EPA says we spend 90% of our time indoors. And so that's a lot of the breaths that we're taking is happening inside typically our own homes. And so it, it would be great to kind of just put a little more emphasis on, you know, has there maybe been any water damage that has changed recently that could be a perfect environment for some of these disease-causing agents to be a factor? Such a good question. Michael, I'm going to give you the floor. What did we not talk about? And I know there's a lot. We'll lead to all of your links in the show notes. But what did we not talk about that you just really wish practitioners understood better in helping people, particularly those who are sick and not getting better? Yeah, I think for so many people, um, what I've seen is, you know, through treatments, no matter what, you know, people will get better, right? Because that's what you're there to do as a doctor. But I've seen so many people stuck or plateaued, not getting as healthy or as quickly as, as they should be. And lo and behold, we found all these different environmental factors that could have been contributing to that. Of course, I'm speaking anecdotally here, but what I tend to see a pattern of is people have these indications of unhealthy environments, they make, you know, powerful changes to their environment. And all of a sudden they start to see things move faster for them from their health goals. And when I see all of that come together, it really just makes me want to scream from the mountaintops that, Hey, this is really more important. I think at this juncture where our society is, and I think if we pay it more attention, some miracles might be born out of that. I think that's a really powerful point. I really appreciate that in functional medicine and functional nutrition, there's more of an awareness of environmental inputs. It has its node on the matrix. We really need to pay attention to this. And I so appreciate how you speak into it and the ease with which you're bringing this information forward. Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks go out to Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, Sandra Brower, Evan Hollingsworth, Heidi Kaufman-Lakowitz, and Rowan Bradley for their support making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your client's issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. 
Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.